Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you here because, believe it or not, it is just not the same without you here. I really appreciate the community meditation uh, that we received today when it comes to being together and being a part of the church. And we are in this series on purpose and with reason to develop and cultivate that type of culture in our lives where we need one another, where we have a reliance for one another, where we become the community that God desires out of us. Uh, when I grew up, I was part of a preacher's family, and we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were there at church. The doors were open. We were there. Why we had the key? I don't know, but we were there. And so at those moments, it often seems that we were there, and not only just on time, but we stayed late. Why? Because we had friends there, and even after the lights were off, my parents were always talking. Uh, long after I wanted to be home and to go home, yet I noticed something about them when it came to people in cultivating a culture of love and, and development and friendships that, that are built really to last. And we have a vision here at this church, a, a vision that we want to cultivate, that we want to see happen, a, a church where you stay in the room long after church is over. One where you're at the table and you, the check has been paid for, yet you still want to sit there at the table because you long to have that friendship and that community together. One where the tears maybe have stopped flowing, yet you still are holding that embrace long after. That's the type of vision. That's the type of culture. That's the type of relationship. That's the type of church that we want to be and to become. And I'm wondering if anybody here is interested in a community like that today. I hope we do, and I hope that's a deep desire for us because I believe we need it. I want you to look at the person that's sitting right next to you and say, you look good today. Go ahead and just go do that for a minute. Just, you look good today. Now, now go to the person on the other side of you and say, you look almost as good, all right? You say, you look almost as good. Just do that for a minute. All right, we got, we got you divided now. I did that on purpose. You're set in three different, you're set in three people now. Harvard did a study here recently that 30%, like 36% of people believe that they have a need in their life and yet no one to meet that. Uh, they did a research study that saying that there are hurts that people have but no one to share them with because they don't have anybody to listen to them. Uh, that they feel a need to be loved and desired and yet they don't feel like they have anybody to receive it or they might have love to give but no one to receive that. Uh, the truth is, that is significantly how a lot of people feel. And I would say that maybe if you're here today, it could be that you desire that too in your life. We have a nature inside of us that wants to move, move towards a community and move towards God. And we want to build relationships. We want them to be spiritual foundations in which we might be able to grow and develop to one another. And so in that study, we see that it's 36%, which is even more than one in three, where people have the feelings of loneliness, where they don't belong or might feel isolated and long to be loved and to love someone. Here's the thing. I think God never intended it to be that way. I think God desired for us to have community. Because if we go back to the very first book of the Bible, back in Genesis, and we go to chapter 1, it starts out in this way. If we've got some good Bible students here today, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you skip forward a little bit, it says, And he said, Let there be light. And then he said, It is good. 
And then he goes on to create day and night. He goes on to create land and water. He goes on to create planets and stars and fish and birds. And all along the way, he says, it is good. And then he says something that's not good. He goes on to say, and after he created man, he noticed that there was no communion for the man and that there was no one for him to cry with, there was no one for him to laugh with or to enjoy life with, there was all these other animals around these things, but here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, and the Lord looked and said, it is not good for the man to be alone, and he said, I must make a suitable helper, the one that is right for him. Husbands, look at your wife right now and say, you're just right for me, go ahead, I know, and feel it, do it with meaning, you're just right for me, there you go, good job, good job. Going back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, it said, The Lord made the woman out of the rib and brought, him to, brought her to the man. And like that, the man said, Man, that's real good. You did a great work, Job. I, I could look at that all day long, the man said. Well, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's okay. And, but let's look at what God said just before that. Before he created Adam, before he created Eve, just prior back to Genesis chapter 1 again, God said this in verse 26. And God said, and let us make mankind in what? It says, our image. What? In our likeness. God didn't say, let, him, let me create him in my image, be by myself, solitary, I no, 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 he says in my image. It's a plural pronunciation that God uses here. And I think that's very interesting because I want us to give a little context of what God is doing. Because I believe that God is actually a perfect community within himself. One of the things that we can do is search in scripture and understand is that God is three distinct personalities. That he is Father, that he is Son, and that he is Holy Spirit. And that God is united within these three perfect personalities, and in himself is community. God designed you and I just as himself to be relational. Why did he build this community? Why did he create man in this way? Because he himself is that way. God is what he represents. So as we look at the Ten Commandments or the things that God is and what God is about, he is what he is about. It's not just what God does. It is the fact that he is love himself. And he wants to develop a community love and create those who know him to be loved and also to love him as well. Someone asked Jesus, what is the most important thing I can do in life? What's the most important command that I can follow? And Jesus responded to him and said, of everything else, what's most important that you can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The person right next to you, or maybe even the person a long way off, love your neighbor just as yourself. You see, the early church was built around this idea of community. Because in the New Testament, the first century Christians, just after that Jesus had been taken away, we, we have this moment where the first Christians are starting to get together and the movement is starting to grow. 
And there was a day on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 gathered together and were saved on that day. And they started hanging out together in a, in a community because they knew that the Lord was coming soon. They knew they had something special in this way, this spiritual journey. They needed each other along the way. They loved one another. And in Acts chapter 2, it shows something very incredibly powerful about what happened when they met together. They didn't just meet every Saturday at 6 p.m., just to hang out together. They didn't just meet on Sunday morning at nine o'clock like we do. No, no, no. They didn't just meet when, you know, it was, you know, I didn't have a late night the night before. And, all. and you know, it wasn't just like, well, we got a game today and I don't know if we can meet together. It, it wasn't just, well, we got people out of town. Well, it's a nice day. Well, it's not a nice day. I don't know if I can make it. Oh, I just, no, no, no. Here's what it says. And I want you to look at it with me. It says, how often did they meet? Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, it says, Every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's the answer? How often did they meet? What's it say, church? Every day. Now you and I might think, well, that's a little bit excessive. I mean, every day, people, I mean, they have my house key and everything. Every day, we meet, we, we meet, we meal together. Every, this is what this looks like, but they needed that. And they met with glad and sincere hearts, it says, and they were praising God, and they were enjoying the favor of all the people around because people were seeing what this group was doing. And it didn't seem like they were upset about it. They had glad and sincere hearts, and every day they were meeting because they were crazy about Jesus and following and meeting and being together. Understand, it was so much more than just this physical proximity to one another. It was an emotional unity that drawed them together. Why did they meet together so often? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they, they needed each other. Well, we might think, well, that was back then. That surely is not the way we ought to do it now, even though we're trying to follow the church as close as we can. Life right now is just, it's so much easier now. We have no tensions. We have no problems with people. Economy is always good here. We're, we're doing just fine. The price of eggs is always cheap. It's, it's good. It's not like that today, is it? No. Well, the truth is, back then, we might say it was a little bit more difficult because they had spiritual battles that were going on because the devil was out trying to stop this Jesus movement that was starting up. The, the church back then, they were being persecuted because of their faith. Back then, people were sick and they needed prayers. There were people then that were hurting and had needs and and they needed somebody to love them. They needed this idea. They needed one another. They needed together to, to discuss the word of God. They needed to be strengthened. They needed to be the body of Christ. That's what they needed then. But that, that's not us now. Well, the truth is, I, I believe that's just as much of us now as it was then. I don't think anybody was back then going, well, it's Tuesday night. That's when we meet for youth group. I just... I just don't feel like it. <laughs> or life group. Or it's Sunday morning again. It comes every seven days. Ah, man, I just don't, I don't know if I, I'm just not feeling it right now. 
Maybe I'll just stay here in my pajamas and I'll watch online. It's okay. But I want to show you the main difference, I think, fundamentally between then and now for us. In the first century, I believe they desperately needed each other, and I believe they knew it. And for us today, I think what's different is that the same way we desperately need one another, the truth is we have forgotten it. They knew it. We might know it, but sadly, I think, I think we've forgotten it. They couldn't be spiritually strong. They couldn't be victorious. They couldn't be close to God and overcome the temptation and be the light in the world that God wanted them to be and be the family exactly what it is unless they met together, unless they strengthened one another. And I think it's exactly the same that we need today. Sadly, though, I think we've just forgotten it. I was talking to a friend about church culture because he's an elder at a church as well, and and we talk quite a bit. And one thing that he and I both agree on is our culture has changed quite a bit. Now, people are the same, but but it seems like our culture is, is a little bit different. And what's interesting is when it comes to the mental health field, there are many experts that agree that there are many people today who are intentionally trying to seek autonomy, independence, me by myself, I get along, I don't need anybody else, I'm good as I am. Meaning I don't want to rely on anybody, I don't need anybody in any ways, I'm trying to design a life where I don't risk anything and don't risk any intimacy or hurt or pain or feelings, and I will just do life by myself. And so what we have observed in that way is this, we have our friends all on social media. That way we keep them all at distance. <laughs> Where we don't really have interactions with anybody. And we can live in a post-COVID world where we can live without the hassle of even relationships. And I can do my work at home and nobody has to call on me. And, and we like some of that because it affords us maybe a flexible schedule. I get to do the things that, that I want. And I don't necessarily have to have accountability or somebody looking over my shoulder. And I can go to work in my pajamas and be okay. I don't have to comb my hair. I don't have to brush my teeth. I can live life just like this right here on my couch. And so we start going and shopping online. And we do our banking online. And we have our friends online. And you watch your sermons. There you go. Okay, all right, good. Just making sure we're all here. Experts are saying that we are intentionally pursuing lives in this way that destroy really our mental health and rob us from joy that God wants us to have, that robs us from happiness, that robs us from community that God has designed, robs us from lasting fulfillment. And I think you know who you are because I'm just that type of person too. And God never, I believe, intended it to be that way especially when it comes to the idea of grieving. And we've got some people, even in our auditorium, who are grieving, who are hurting, who have lost people. Anybody here lost anybody? I know I have. And it's amazing to me how the church has showed up in my life as a result of grieving and pain. In the old Jewish culture, in something that they still practice today, they have this idea of sitting shiva, Okay? And this idea of sitting shiva is that when someone dies in the community, they have a family. 
and you are probably friends with that community, and you as a friend, when you know that that person is hurting, you will go over to their house, you will let yourself in, and you will go there, and you will sit with them in their grief. Doesn't mean you have to talk. Doesn't mean you have to necessarily have a meal. Doesn't mean you have to change the subject. Doesn't mean you have to go. Doesn't mean any of those things. It is the process of sitting in sorrow with them. The process of sitting Shiva. That's a foreign concept to us in our social media world, and our distance world. We think, well, just a text will do. But let me tell you how this showed up in my life. A good friend of mine by the name of Danny, when my mom died about in a little bit now, there at the casket, I sat right by the head of the casket as people passed by, and he was the first one there. And it was really 45 minutes when it's really supposed to be just family. But he shows up ahead of time and comes and hugs on me. And in this auditorium that would massively be filled, he goes after hugging me and loving on my family and sits on the front row. And then one hour, two hours, three hours, people come lining in. Six hours, he sat Shiva in the front row for me. Here's the thing, I appreciate all those who came by my mom's funeral, hugged on me, loved on me, said kind words of condolences. But you want to know what speaks out to me? The man who sat Shiva. He had other things he could do. He already did what he came for. But he came and he sat. Has there been somebody like that in your life? To us, that's countercultural to how we feel and how we want to do things. And can't we just do loving at a distance now? Can't I just send in a text and that's good enough? That just doesn't seem as personal, though. We try to avoid the personal voice. We try to avoid personal presence. But I think the traditional expression is something that really is meant to last. And I think it's something that really means something. And it might feel weird to us because we have conditioned ourselves to try to get away from it. But I think that's what God intended. I think we have a vision for the church where you stay in the room long after the lights get shut off. I think we have a hope that you sit at the table long after the check has been paid. Why? Because you want to meet and you want to be together. Where when the tears have stopped flowing, yet the hug and the embrace is still there. And I want you to understand that type of life doesn't happen by accident. That type of church doesn't happen by accident. I want to tell you recently, my wife and I have had people inside of our house, and we're looking forward to having you sometime. And we don't have time for it. But we think it's important. We think not only you need it, we think we need it. Because that's the type of community I think that God wants. I believe that God wants for us to have a relationship with people where the one in three is not a factor, the people who don't feel like there's anybody out there for them. Tony Campalo tells a story. He was a great evangelist. He was at a conference in Honolulu, Hawaii. Now, he lives here in the mainland, and you can suffer a lot of jet lag going back and forth. 
And he went over that way, and he found himself up at 3 in the morning because that's about the time that he got up here on the mainland. And so here he was in the middle of the night on Honolulu, Hawaii, and he was hungry, needed to find a place for some coffee. And so he stops in this greasy spoon diner and walks in. It's just him and the cook there on the other side. He sits down. It's the type of place that's so greasy you don't even want to touch the, you know, the menu. You know the type of place. Don't tell me. You don't get it. And so he's there, he's sitting there, and then he noticed some ladies who walk in, and it's obvious that they are the ladies of the evening. Does that make sense? That they have already done their responsibilities for the evening and have come in later. And and he was just getting ready to leave, but yet he hears a conversation that's going on because the place is so small. And one of the prostitutes says to another was, did you know it's my birthday tomorrow? And the other prostitute said, yeah, so what? What do you want me to do about it? You want a birthday or something? She goes, no, I just, I thought you'd want to know. And Tony sat there thinking, man, this is an interesting conversation, but I'm right here in the midst of all that and don't know when I ought to leave. Or, <laughs> this is weird. And yet the ladies eventually after an hour get up and leave. And Tony stands there and, and he looks at the chef on the other side and says, these ladies come in every night, every night. How about that lady in particular who said they had the birthday? Yeah. He goes, I think we ought to throw a birthday party for her. He goes, well, she's here every night, and, and I, think, I think she'd like that. And so the next night he shows up. This 3 in the morning because he's awake, remember? And he shows up with a cake, and they had a birthday party for a prostitute. And the chef afterward, he goes, what's your angle on this? Are you wanting to get with her or something? He goes, No. He goes, well, why would you do something like that? Because that's what Jesus, wait, are you one of those preachers or something? He goes, well, actually, yeah, I am. He goes, no, you can't be. There's no church that would do something like that. Well, I live at a church, and I'm part of a church where we throw a birthday party for a prostitute. Anybody want to join a church like that? This is the type of community that we're trying to develop and we're trying to cultivate here. One that welcomes people in and wants to see relationships happen. And I know for a lot of us that means us stretching ourselves in some way because talking, it might not be our strong suit. For some of us, it's like, I just don't know about really letting myself out there. I'm kind of introverted in this way. I just don't like to be personal. And I understand it's hard for us. It's hard to get involved with people in their lives because sometimes it's tough circumstances that go behind it. And we are called to be a church that wants to honor God. And the best way to honor God is to honor people and to love people the way he wants us to. Here's what Philippians chapter 1, verse 7 says. You have a permanent place in my heart, Paul says, and have remained partners with me in this wonderful grace of God. For us to really do what God desires us to do, we've got to get with some broken people, and we've got to create this to be a safe place where people belong and believe and can come. So what this place needs to be is three different things. First thing, it needs to be a gathering of grace. A place where grace abounds more than anything else, where people and their problems are welcome. And here's the thing. If you stick around here long enough, you're going to see some stuff. Because I believe that you probably got some stuff. And let's be glad that you weren't who you used to be. And let's also be glad that you aren't what you are going to become. Because that's what I'm thankful for in my life. And the story of whoever comes in here is not going to be the final chapter for them either. 
We want to be a place of grace, a gathering of grace, where people can come with their doubts, their hurts, their questions, their addictions, their baggage, with their depression, and they can know that they're welcome here. Here's the second thing. We want to be a gathering of healing for people because there are people with real deep, serious hurts. And God created us to be a people that draws to one another and are able to bear one another with forgiveness and with healing. And that's actually something that happens best because often we think, well, God will take care of it. God will do the healing inside of you. And that's true. But sometimes God needs people with skin on to come and bear the burden and the love and to show up. Here's what James chapter 5 and verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray with one another. That way you might be healed. It's a way that we bear with one another and we encourage one another. And at first it might be awkward because a lot of us are like, emotions, ha, ah, back away. Okay, let me get out of here. Good enough. We'll break. Good? Okay, all right. And often that's how we do things. But sometimes I think God wants to see something that's on the other side. I'm big and awkward. Anybody notice that? Okay. And so I preach a lot, and one of the things my dad taught me is if you go to church, and you should, first rule, go to church. Second rule, you park in the back and you set yourself on the front because nobody else will. That's the second. When you get to church, park in the back, set yourself on the front. And, And then the other thing was this is, you know, try to represent well. And so I am sitting at church on the front row. Why? Because I'm also preaching. So I'm there with my family on the front row. As an example for everybody to see as the craziness happens, the whole show. In the middle of the service, and it's, it's, it's Father's Day. And I'm sitting there at Father's Day, and I'm getting ready to get up and preach a sermon. And this lady, elderly lady from the back row, her name's Kathy. And Kathy, she likes to talk a lot, and she's very special, very special person. In the middle of service, she gets up while the music is going on. Now, I told you I'm big and awkward already. I've tried to blend in all my life, and it's just not working for me, okay? She gets up. She comes down the center row in which she comes up, and in the middle of the church, in the middle of the song service, she comes up and gives me a hug because it's Father's Day, and she knows I lost my dad. And I'm sitting there going, lady, get off me. Lady, get off me. Not a time. I mean... I'm hurting, but I'm not hurting that bad, you know. I'm feeling the moment. But I had to set myself out of that for just a minute and go, you know what? That hug that wasn't necessarily from Kathy. That hug was from my church family. That hug was from my dad. That hug was from Jesus. And sometimes we got to take off a little bit of what we call the awkward so we can bring about what the real healing that God wants to do inside of you and me. And when I'm just trying to blend in and just shove things to the side, I'm shoving away what God wants to do with me. And, And so some of us, that's risk of coming out and doing what might feel the awkward or receiving what we might consider awkward, what God considers love. You see, it's a hard thing for us to see, but it's also not just a gathering of grace, it's a gathering of healing, and it's a gathering of mission. 
Acts chapter 2, let's go back to it really, really quickly. Here's what it says. It says, with glad and sincere hearts, they are praising God, they are enjoying the favor of all the people. And what does scripture say? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this is a wonderful thing, because it means growth. It means that community was happening. It means that they saw the love of Jesus, and that was being acted out for them, and God was adding to them daily, daily. How often? Daily. We've had 20 baptisms last month. We're almost at daily. We're getting close to daily. I think we can get to daily. Because I think that's what the church looks like. But we got to be missional. It's got to be what's most important. There are 59 verses that go around this idea of one another. And we're going to look at all 55. I'm sorry, we're not. 59 of them. No, no, we're going to just look at a couple. I want to show them real quickly. Here's what it says. Serve one another, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 10, verse 13. Show hospitality to one another, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. Be kind to one another, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18. Carry one another in their burdens, Galatians chapter 2, excuse me, verse 6 and chapter, uh, chapter 6 and verse 2. Here's the deal. You can't do those things without activity. You can't do those things without first getting up and making movement. You can't just clock in and clock out. You can't just run out the door. You can't just, I'll just send it in a comment. I'll just send it in a text message. It doesn't work that way. And what type of church does it look like? What's the type of church that looks united, that looks loving to others? And what kind of church could type of things could that church do if it looked the way that this Acts chapter 2 looked? What could it do for its community? What could it do with ministries of people around the world? What could it do when it comes to the elderly, to the shut-in, to the foster kids finding homes, when it comes to the homeless, when it comes to the addicted, to those who are bondage? What kind of resources could that church give out if they lived out this idea of being a community where the hurt and the broken person come and hear about Jesus? Here's the truth, and what I want to end on is this. That won't happen unless it gets personal. It gets personal with other people, and we make that response personal to us when we respond and we go and what the world might call awkward we want to call loving that the world will see that there is another way to do things that we are a church long after the lights go out the conversations still continue on but even though the check has been paid we still want to sit at that table where when we come together and we gather, we think it's important to be loving more than anything else. Won't you stand with me? Father God, we thank you so much. May you make it personal to us. May it be in the forefront of our mind and may you be starting with us. May we be praying for those who need to hear and may we be growing in so many different ways. May we be personal.
name I pray.